This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. I'm Kat Johnson, and this is my co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hi, everybody. And we're also joined in the studio by Jordan Werner, our Julia Child Fellow. Hey. Um, by the way, I always want to read your name, Werner. You can. I'll give you permission. Okay, cool. And our other, our other special guest is Cynthia Malleron, a.k.a. Reverend DJ Cherish the Love. And special. <laughs> special. The one and only. And special. So this week kicked off our spring and summer 2017 season. So on today's show, we're going to recap all the season premieres across the network. Plus, we have a bunch of exciting events coming up that we'll tell you about, including the Bread Symposium um, at Johnson and Wales in Charlotte, North Carolina, coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, we're going to call in to Peter Reinhardt. He's a renowned baker, author, and educator, and he is also um, currently teaching at Johnson and Wales and he's going to tell us about what so Katie and I are going to head down to Charlotte and he's going to tell us what we can expect um, at the bread symposium and later we're going to hear more from Cynthia about her new show on the network wedding cake Mm, yum yum and it's premiering right after this show yay so stay tuned for that number one it's just in time for wedding season and of course we always end our show with trivia so since Cynthia has a wedding show on the network now, and both Katie and Jordan are brides to be. I have <laughs> I have put together some wedding trivia oh, no. to challenge all of you. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be on the receiving end of this. Trivia. I like it better when I write it. Too bad. Trivia <laughs> is ruthless. I can't no. wait. <laughs> okay, but first, it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> no, it's going to be totally fine. It's all about weddings. Bloodbath. Um, All right, but first we are on to our HRN headlines. David, what's the music? Okay, it's our rapid fire news (laughs) section with our special news music. This episode of HRN Happy Hour, we are taking a trip around the world with our HRN headlines. So we're going to start right here at home in Brooklyn. Our show, The Line, had Claire Well from Ottawa in Brooklyn, a restaurant famous for its great food and all-female team. Yeah, ladies. And on the very first ever episode of Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair, we heard a preview of the Food Book Fair, which is happening this weekend at the Ace Hotel in Manhattan. We cannot wait. We will be there. See you there. I are moving up to Boston. Um, the food scene this week had Chef Barbara Lynch on to talk about her new memoir, Out of Line, A Life of Playing with Fire. Um, she was also on All in the Industry this week. And now looking south, We Dig Plants host Alice and Carmen visited Zone 9 of the USDA Plant Hardiness Zone map, <laughs> specifically New Orleans and Palm Springs areas. Snacky Tunes was in Austin, Texas, where they met up with Chef Philip Spear at his new American diner with a French twist called Bon Homey. I think I'm saying that I right. I think that's Bonhomie. Bonhomie. It feels like it looks like Bon Homey. <laughs> bon Homey. On to the Rust Belt. 
On Radio Cherry Bomb, we heard from Chef Kate Williams, who worked under Wolfgang Puck before returning to her hometown of Detroit and finding her own style of cooking, Nordic food, but with a little more romance. Her first restaurant, Lady of the House, is one of this year's most anticipated openings. Now, west to Washington. On cooking issues, Olympia provisions chef, owner, and salumist Elias Caro, a first-generation Greek-American, talked about learning the craft of charcuterie from his father and opening Oregon's first USDA-approved salumeria. And check out that episode of Cooking Issues to see the special gift that Eli brought to Dave Arnold. Mm. Now we're going to go across the pond looking to Europe. Magnifico Radio spoke to Berlin-based entrepreneur and changemaker Andrea Bury, who created the first international contest to match emerging designers with a traditional craft community to create an accessory capsule collection. That sounds really cool. And on to Japan, and then back to New York, quickly. The season premiere of Japan Eats had chef Tadashi Ono, born and raised in Tokyo, who now operates his signature restaurant, Matsuri, in the basement of New York's Maritime Hotel. And bringing the picture it from that episode right is so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Coming right back home here at Roberta's. On Eating Matters, Jenna spoke to fellow HRN host and author Katie Kiefer about her new book, What's the Matter with Meat? Katie is a meat eater herself, and she offers a comprehensive look at the industrialized meat system both at home and abroad and the negative effects it has on our environment, health, and well-being. So uh, speaking of Katie's book, last night we had a very special event. Books and Brews! It was the second one of our Books and Brews series. The first one was with uh, Kathy Irway at Three's Brewing, and her book was The Food of Taiwan. And then this go-round, we celebrated Katie Kiefer's new book, What's the Matter with Me? And it was right here in the backyard at the Roberta's Tiki Tent. And Books and Brews is our latest series of our HRN host and member happy hour. So if you want to join in on the fun, we have many more books to go. Uh, please make sure that you are a member by visiting heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. A gift of any amount makes you a member for a year. So we really hope that you'll join our community and uh, hopefully you'll be able to stop by our next happy hour. Yeah, yeah. And uh, possibly even uh, some special events coming up for members this summer. Maybe at the beach. Maybe at the beach. TBD. Keep mm-hmm. an ear to the ground and make sure you're a member because the <laughs> that's beach the way to is find out. awesome. That's, that's how, the only way to find out. Yeah. Be a member. Um, also, this weekend is Food Book Fair. We mentioned this. Uh, we love to throw out special offers for our members and for our listeners. So special one for all of you today. Uh, you can get 10% off of all ticketed events that are part of Food Book Fair. Just use the code HRN. Yes, we'll see you there. Um, I wanted to preview our next week's show. Uh, Patrick right now is is in Kentucky with some of the other Heritage Foods crew. Um, obviously, eat, I'm sure eating a lot of good meat and having fun. Um, so he'll be back in the studio with us next week and also with Daniel Holzman from the Meatball Shop. Um that will be a very, very fun show. And I think we're also going to have um, a call in about a very exciting um, storyteller in residence program that is very, very enticing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We'll we be have warm weather on the mind. If, if you like food and writing and travel and vacations and yeah, being where it's warm, then I would suggest tuning in next. Sign week. me up. <laughs> I know, right? More to come on that. More to come. And, uh, Kat, we have some travel coming up ourselves uh, next Thursday, no, Friday. 
Friday, we're heading down to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we are going to see what the Queen City's food scene is all about. I'm very excited. I've never spent any time in Charlotte. I've never even been to Charlotte. Yeah, yeah me neither. But I that's okay. I'll take care of things here while you guys are gone. Thanks, Thanks David. David. Yeah. I knew we could count on you. Yeah, I figured I'd volunteer for that. I'm very excited, though. Um, I we, we met several chefs from Charlotte in Charleston, uh, Charleston Wine and Food, and we're going to probably see a lot of familiar faces mm-hmm. while we're there, and that's going to be very exciting. And then uh, we're going to be joined by Michael Harlan Turkel for the Bread Symposium that's taking place on the 22nd and 23rd. Mm-hmm. And um, right now we have a special treat. Um, we have Peter Reinhardt on the phone. He is a renowned baker, author, and educator. He's written several books, including Bread Revolution, The Joy of Gluten-Free, Sugar-Free Baking, and The Bread Baker's Apprentice. He is currently the chef on assignment at Johnson & Wales University, and that is where the Bread Symposium is going to take place. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Great to be with you. So, we are so excited to head down to to Charlotte for the Bread Symposium. And first of all, can you just tell us what we can expect at that event? At the symposium, we're going to have... Ten internationally renowned, I guess you would say, superstars within the bread world. It's going to be, in a way, kind of like two days of a mini TED conference, but all about bread. Because all the talks will be short and succinct, about 20 minutes long with some time for questions and answers, but all about different topics around the symposium theme, which is the future of bread. And since bread is, you know, is both, both beloved and also has a kind of a target on its back, uh, it should be a lively two days and very stimulating. So the theme is future of bread. If you had to say like an elevator elevator pitch of what is the future of bread, what do you think it is? <laughs> well, I always tell people that, you know, because about every five or ten years there's always like a, a movement that says bread is dead uh, because of whether it's for carbs or for uh, for gluten or whatever, there's, there's always something about bread that's, that uh, makes it sort of, uh, people trying to give it up, but they don't give it up, and it's been around for 6,000 years at least, as far as we know, and I tell people it's, it's been around this long and it's not going away. Uh, and so the, the question is, bread. <laughs> it has to reinvent itself, though, every now and then. You know, uh, I think the, the challenges of the gluten movement, the gluten-free movement, the, the low-carb movement, all those things are important challenges that the bread community has to face uh, and it, the outcome of it has been that bread just keeps getting better and better and better. And I, I think you can make an argument uh, to say that the bread that is being produced right now, both in this country and throughout the world, is probably the greatest and best bread ever produced from a flavor standpoint. And now we're kind of focusing on the nutritional side as well. So I think that's where it's go- it has to go in that direction, or else it will become obsolete. But I don't think it will be obsolete because there's a lot of positives. Thank you, Peter. Um, one thing that we talk a lot about, um, especially uh, as we work with Patrick and Heritage Foods, we talk a lot about charcuterie and how the U.S. is emerging really as a major player in the charcuterie scene where it used to really just be all about uh, European charcuterie. Um, and we know that Patrick and the team are in Kentucky right now tasting American country hams that are rivaling Italian prosciutto. And um, I wanted to ask you about bread and where the world sees the U.S. as a bread producer now. Are we a contender with Europe? Are we exceeding um, kind of European standards for bread baking here? 
I believe that over the last 20 years or so, the, the United States bread profile has raised dramatically, mainly, I would say, due to the, the work of groups like the Bread Bakers Guild of America uh, and a number of really talented bakers who have come out of the shadow, so to speak, of the European bakers who really are you know, far ahead of us uh, in terms of what they knew. But we've absorbed a lot of that knowledge. When people have gone over to Europe, they've studied. We've brought uh, the European bread masters over to the United States to teach us. And there was such a hunger to uh, improve the quality of bread within the artisan community that that community has now grown dramatically. Uh, when the guild started, you know, I remember when it first started in the early 90s, there were maybe, you know, 100, 200 members. They're now well over 2,000 members. And, uh, and the influence of that one particular group has really filtered into the bread community and allowed us to catch up to the Europeans. And to a certain extent, like we've seen in a lot of artisan foods, not just bread, uh, we can sometimes kind of leapfrog over some of those uh, traditional approaches because we're not constrained by sort of the boxes that have defined various cultural food types. So, so French bread, for instance, got sort of locked into a box. It was great. It was always way, way better than anything we could get here. But then all of a sudden, you know, people here started to figure out how to make it and started doing things that weren't part of the, the playbook but actually improved the quality. And then the, the French had to look at us and, and say, okay, what can we learn now from the Americans? So there's been a lot of give and take, and I feel now we're, it's a level playing field where we, we may not have as many great bakeries in the United States as they do in, in France or Germany, but we have quite a number whose quality can rival them. And do you, what are some specific techniques or ingredients where you think that the Americans are really in the lead and have something to teach the world? One area for sure is the flour itself, the, 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 the wheat. American wheat's always been the best in the world for, in terms of just functionality uh, and flavor. Uh, so, that, so we had that to start with. Uh, and, in fact, I think one of the dirty little secrets of the European bakers is, is that, uh, that only has recently come out is that a lot of the flour being used over there, for instance, the pizza, pizza flour in Naples, Italy, it contains a lot of American flour. Wow. They like the way it performs. <laughs> but, um, but I think more importantly, it's technique. It's understanding that really the art of bread baking is understanding fermentation. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, a great analogy in parallel to the bread uh, movement here is the uh, craft beer making movement, and uh, we all know that beer is just simply liquid bread. Uh, <laughs> it's just you know fermented grain in a in a liquid form, and and the quality of beer in this country has so dramatically improved that it it pretty much parallels that that jump in quality of bread as well. Once again, coming down to understanding how fermentation works, there's a lot of awareness now of the science as well as the art and craft of cooking and of brewing and of baking, and all that's being applied. And uh, you, you, little by little, we've just sort of moved way, the bar is raised way up there. We've had a few breakthrough artists along the way. People, for instance, in the pizza world, we know that somebody like Chris Bianco at Pizzeria Bianco in Phoenix, you know, broke out of the box and elevated pizza to another level, and it kind of raised the bar, and everybody's been trying to catch up to him and, and is pretty much doing that. And we've had, a, I'd say, uh, maybe 10 or 12 bakers across the United States, some of whom will be at the symposium, who did the same thing for bread. They've kind of broken through the, the glass ceiling and shown that there's more, more to bread. Even though it's been around 6,000 years, we're still learning new ways to make it even better. So, Peter, who are you most excited to see and, and hear at the symposium? Well, 
uh, a couple of the, the, the say maybe the marquee names, especially for people in the bread world, we, we think of Chad Robertson as kind of the poster boy right now of <laughs> what's going on in, in uh, artisan baking because he's introduced both you know, an understanding of sourcing the best quality wheat, sustainably grown wheat, uh, you know, supporting all the, the, the values that are happening out of that community, and then turning them into amazing breads using both whole grains, sprouted grains, natural leaven starters, you know, all, using every trick in the book and coming up with new ones that he's garnered by traveling around the world and, and working with bakers from Scandinavia and Germany and, you know, you name it. And, and he's paid all his dues and he's put it all together to kind of establish, a, again, a benchmark. He's almost like the Chris Bianco uh, of bread. <laughs> and in fact, he and Chris Bianco are partnering up to open a new bakery in L.A. in the fall called the Tartine Manufactory, which will include all of Chad's work with breads and his wife's work with pastries and Chris Bianco's work with pizza all in one location. So we're getting kind of, it's kind of like super session, you know, getting a couple of these people together. Another person who's really important, uh, I think, and, w- and will be recognized more so in the next few months, is Francisco Magoya, who is the author of the upcoming book, Modernist Bread, which is the follow-up to the book that came out about five years ago, Modernist Cuisine, going to be a five-volume, uh, I would say, an encyclopedia of bread. Everything you want to know about the past, present, and future of bread will be in that. And Francisco is the, the team leader, uh, the head baker, the creator of a lot of the recipes, and have written a lot of the text uh, in this five-volume. It's about 2,500 pages of pretty much everything you could possibly want to know about bread. So he's going to be making a presentation showing us how uh, the they brought together sort of this understanding of of science, of food science, and applied it to bread baking to come up with new recipes, even uh, formulas and methods of baking bread that haven't been seen before, just to show that it can be done. And uh, and again, pushing that envelope to see, you know, how can we get the maximum flavor from these very simple ingredients like flour, water, salt, and yeast. So Francisco will be sharing some of the, the things that have come out of the four years of this project. Uh, and then uh, Glenn Roberts, who's the founder of Anson Mills, uh, which is a company in South Carolina that has almost single-handedly revived a lot of heritage grains that were about to disappear from the face of the earth. And he not only found farmers to grow them, but found chefs to use them. Uh, and the outcome has been that amazing flavors have returned through these, these rare grains, and now they're available to bakeries as well. So he'll be talking about... I think the name of his talk is called uh, Perfect Acre, Perfect Loaf, which means it, it all starts with the ground. It's all about about the soil, and from that, you know, it can convert ultimately into amazing flavor. That's awesome. You have literally just named three of the people that I am most excited to see and listen to while we're in Charlotte. Well, great. <laughs> Fulfill your dreams. I know, I know. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us and giving us this awesome preview of what we can expect. We are very much looking forward to it. And can't wait to meet you in person. Excellent. Can't wait to see you guys. And uh, we'll, we'll get together and, and talk a lot of bread over those couple of days and maybe, maybe make a few podcasts together. Sounds great. Amazing. Peter, thank you so much. I can't wait to meet you next week. And uh, thanks again for being on HR and Happy Hour. Thank you very much. See you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
I have to say, guys, I'm also so excited to meet Francisco Migoya. He's going to be partnering with us also um, on our co-production with Modernist Bread. Uh, so in, uh, in the fall, we'll be releasing the Modernist Breadcrumbs series, which is going to be a deep dive into the world of bread. Um, and our host is going to be Michael Harlander-Kell of The Food Scene. We're also going to be working with Nathan Meyerwald and Francisco and many, many other amazing minds and bakers in the bread world. So we are getting hungry, and we are so excited to get educated next weekend. Hi. There, there she is. There you go. There she is. I love Thank bread. You, I love bread. All I right. Love bread. Okay. So we're, let's, let's, let's move from, uh, from bread to cake. I'm so hungry. <laughs> Where's the cake? What kind of cake? Wedding cake. <laughs> Wedding cake. <laughs> Cynthia. Amazing. Tell us about your new show. Off the top of my head, <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, this new show, Wedding Cake. Fantastic, right? I love the name because I love cake. I am a, a wedding DJ. I am a wedding officiant. I love all things wedding and industry related. Guests for this season are so funny and amazing. I have the perpetually single bitter woman coming. Uh, just to balance it all. So cloying all this love. The professional bridesmaid. Yes. She reached out to me. She said she's always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, every episode, I have a fake fiancé or fiancé. You know, because each episode I get to be polyamorous without all the cooties and the STDs. <laughs> Uh, we've got the vegan queen, a vegan queen of New York City, Pamela Elizabeth. She founded Blossom Restaurants and Coco V Chocolatier in Chelsea. She's going to contribute wisdom about having vegan options at weddings uh, for that conscious feel-good kind of stuff. She has a story about a vegan wedding, and at the end, people are freaking out because there was no milk for the coffee. Oh, oh don't do that! But you know, she's going to teach how to how to splash. how to do it right. <laughs> So that you can, you know, profess your love without hurting any animals is her thing. Aww. And cake. We have cake every episode. Gluten-free, regular cakes, uh, vegan cakes, homemade cakes. And why? Because I never got cake on my wedding day because I eloped in Vegas. <laughs> so I want to have my cake. That didn't last, by the way. wonder why. I want to have my cake every week. Uh, like Sweet Revenge. So I have coming on also, I have DJs talking about song selections so you don't end up with a chicken dance unless you want it. Uh, I need this so much. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I need this chicken dance. Ah! No, no, it's <laughs> no on the band list. <laughs> we have public speaking coaches who teach how to not give a horrible toast. Wow. Uh, I have an award-winning professional photographer who talks about pre-wedding sexy, sexy boudoir shots and how it oh. boosts her confidence. Um, I also have the founder of a huge leading wedding industry company huge oh. huge say it with me huge <laughs> oh. i want to keep that a surprise but the company rhymes with oh. the lot oh. she emailed me yesterday <laughs> wow we have a couple coming on who are renewing their vows live on air so that's Kleenex Day, I'm going to call it. And I'm also looking to marry couples live on air. So if anyone's listening and you guys know anyone, uh, there's two, I can, there's offici two I can, I can officiate it here in the studio. Where were you six months ago before I started all this planning? You know what? It's okay. Time machine. We can do it. So if anyone wants to propose, like, you know, we can do it right here in the studio. Oh, and you, you do a live proposal too? Yeah. That's what. Listeners. You're, you're getting ahead of my, my off the top of my head notes. Yeah. Off the top of my head notes on my phone. Exactly. So you can get married into a podcast and have your love live, live, live in <laughs> iTunes or Stitcher. 
forever. Forever. So reach out to me via Heritage Radio site or at DJ Cherish the Love, spelled L-U-V on Instagram. And this is a funny note. This is the last thing I'm going to say because I think this is crazy. Um, a friend, quasi-friend, friend of friend, divorce lawyer, wants to sponsor my show. And I was like, dude, that's bad karma, man. What's wrong with you? And he's <laughs> laughing. And he's like... Come on. And that's I was pretty like, funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that's it's that's his target funny. audience. It's people getting married. <laughs> it's his target oh, audience. That's exactly. And I was like, that but seed. that's like, yo, that's like you're playing craps and you bet on the don't pass line. That's like super bad, bad form. Yeah. Yeah, that's another totally. thing I learned in Vegas aside from don't elope there. And that's it. <laughs> Wedding cake. Starting in so like exciting. 20 minutes. <laughs> so get stay out. Tuned, stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's, stay tuned. I just love that you, it's full of like very practical advice. I mean, I'm not getting married and don't have any plans to, but it's just like, it's good advice for anyone who even goes to weddings. Wait mm-hmm. a second. We also have one other guest, Guestzilla, who happens <laughs> mm-hmm. to be Kat. That was me. <laughs> That's how I started my Guestzilla segment. Perfect. Yeah, so, and a couple of other things that are in the works that I'm like, mm, crossing fingers, but but I think I think that was plenty. plenty oh, that's yeah. so yeah. much great stuff. I wish you were doing the whole season, like, this month. Because I'm, like, <laughs> you pretty need thick it. in the planning, and I mm. just need all of these things, like, right now. So if you want me to preview any of your notes or anything, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. uh, I'm here for you. All right, you <laughs> got and it. I will steal all of the ideas. You got it, yes. A little, uh, yes. yes. Test audience. <laughs> um, okay. Well, are you got? Do you guys have any more questions about wedding cake, or are you ready to jump into some wedding trivia? I. I mean, I just have so many questions, but um, chicken dance. Okay, yeah, but cake. But can we talk about cake? Yeah, let's talk about cake. Um, are, do you have any with me right now? Yeah. In my stomach. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that was my question. Oh and, my God. and you'll see in my photos, we all pose with the cake. And you bite the cake. And we have the big white oh, the cake. cake. The yes. You yes. bite the, the cake. cake that feeds you. Yes. The, the cake actually sits in that chair yeah. where the mixer uh-huh. is right now. Of and, course the um, cake has its own seat. Cake has its own seat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. By the, end of the se- by the end of the season, I would imagine the cake is going to be filthy. <laughs> yeah. <It's- laughs> Can you just... It'll become a groom's cake. It'll be like that, that sandwich that Homer had behind the bed. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually made of sugar. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those model cakes mm-hmm. that people don't want to spend $2,000 on a cake. They put that out and Wait, they what? pose with it. Yeah, that's oh. a thing. Oh, you're like, okay, see, here's another tip. Oh, yeah. So you get, one, you get a model cake. And, you know, you put your little groom and bride topper on it, but you serve people sheet cake. That's so much easier. Ah. But you always have a photo with the incredible Wedding hack. Wedding Total wedding hack. (laughs) My mind is blown. I've been walking around the streets, like all the way to the L train, carrying this cake in my hand. (laughs) But you have it like a garbage bag. (laughs) People are like, is it? They're so confused. Like, is it real? Wait, wait, it can't be real. You can't carry a cake like that. You should pretend to trip with it and see who helps you. Oh, or just it's, it's like that, yeah, that ABC show. Like, what would you do? Like, you oh my do god, exactly. you, What would you do? I, actually, I'm going to put it in the passenger seat in the car and go in the hub lane. There you go. Mm, there you go. Cake is, you're like cakes are people too. <laughs> there's someone in there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cake, cake, cake. Well, let's okay. do some wedding trivia. I feel like I feel like this is going to be great to put you guys to the test because we have two bride to bees and a wedding expert. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. This is actually some more, this is like very much more straight, narrow trivia than I normally write. So I'm really, I'm really testing you guys. Okay. What's the price? 
the you get married. Is cake. Yeah, you, you, you get, get married. I'll, 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 I'll let you get married. Like, oh. <laughs> I, I won't stand I up. I won't stand up, but I'm Jackie. Okay, so here's the first question. According to Greek culture, what can brides tuck in their gloves for good luck? Is this in my big fat Greek wedding too? Because I haven't seen that one. Yet. It's actually not. It's actually not. I've seen both, and it's not in that movie. I am going gloves. to guess. Okay, some form of money. No, I have. A, I have a guess. Mm. Okay, like a olive pits or some kind of seeds. No, feta cheese. I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'll give Snacks you a hint for later. It's it's said to sweeten the union. Oh my god, Andy, you're on the oh. right track. Honey. Sugar? Honey, yes, sugar, sugar, sugar. a sugar cube, a sugar what? cube. Yes, that sounds sticky, sticky, and a, but yeah. the cube. <laughs> what part of your glove? Yeah, is it in your palm know. or like up on your? Wrist? I guess it's probably strategic. Yeah, if yeah. it were in my wow. palm, it would. Be... I feel like a lot of these, a lot of these tradition things that I found online, like I'm sure, are not actually that accurate. I mean, but... that sugar cube is pretty uncomfortable. You'd have to stick. Actually, I prefer like a packet of Equal. Yeah. There you go. That is <laughs> much Stevia. more practical. Stevia. I Put like the right symbolism. Equality. <laughs> okay. Next question. Why are wedding rings worn on the fourth finger of the left hand? Oh, I think I know this one. Okay. It's the vein that goes straight to your heart. Yes. Oh wow. It's or it's be- it was believed. Gross. Well, yeah, that's accurate. Not, yeah. <laughs> that's gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> um. All right. No. Good job, Jordan. Okay. You've been like really reading up on your wedding. I'm gonna rip Fast. this one off and I'm gonna use this one on my show. That vein one. I like that one. Okay. There's a lot more like that. I, I was trying to go for the weird stuff, but mm. it's like hard to find. Every, everything is about like wording off evil spirits. Like every, everything that people do for weddings, like it goes back to like you wear a veil, veil because it warded off evil spirits, or you, you yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of very yeah. superstitious things. Are you guys wearing veils? No, I'm not. You know what? My clients they're they're foregoing veils. They're foregoing. Thank God, garters. Oh, oh my god, god. I'm not doing that. that. No, 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 no. Dumbest, dumbest tradition. <laughs> it's so creepy. Absolutely like, you want someone's not. hands anyway. And even bouquet toss. Yeah. I haven't I, decided about that one yet. Most yeah, weddings same. I go to I like don't flowers. do the bouquet toss. I like hurling things at people. So. <laughs> but, you Fair. know, I have incredible video of my bouquet tosses when I'm DJing. because I, I Yeah, I see that crap. Ooh, did I say that? <laughs> and that passes. Love it. Yeah. And hate it at the same time. Yeah. All right. I have mixed okay. feelings about it, but but it, this is like a net, more flowers that I get to justify having. Oh, yeah. So, flowers are more good, flowers. Yeah. Flowers are good. Okay, next question. In Fiji, men are expected to present their future father-in-law the tooth of what animal? <laughs> They're firstborn. <laughs> a little out of order there. But Themselves. Right. Um, oh, yikes. I want it to be like, is it a, is it a feline? No. Is it a fish? A fish? No, but closer. A lizard? No. A whale. <laughs> David just gave you the answer. A whale? Oh. Okay. It's a whale. I that almost asked hard. if it was a mammal first, and that would have really gotten like confusing. Yeah. yeah. Prove you're worthy of my daughter. Kill a whale. Whoa, that's yeah, weird. It's so hard. <laughs> you have to kill it to take the tooth. Pull the tooth out. You, can well, you just think it comes out A lot of whales me? not have individual teeth. They have just, like saline. <laughs> True. Some, some whales have teeth. Just yeah. punch it in the face and say, Aww. I need this for my wedding. Sorry, man. That's what you have to go this to. This is to for get love. Married. Come on. <laughs> okay. Maybe they're recycling 
whales that have died of natural causes and washed up. Sure, Katie. Yeah, yeah. yeah wishful thinking. Okay. Sure. The whale went to live on a farm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a whale farm. Okay. Um, only one state in the U.S. does not recognize common law marriages. Do you know which one it is? New York. No. California. No. Hmm. It is. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. The first, it's two words, and the first one is North. Dakota. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have any backstory on that, but apparently it's not. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the fact. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um. All right. So, Katie, you're having a summer wedding. I am. And so summer weddings, particularly, we're talking about June in this case, though. June weddings. They aren't new. They're very popular. Ancient Romans had a big reason for loving June weddings. Can you tell me why? Specifically June. Specifically June. Was it something that was harvested in June? No, it has to do with um, a god or goddess. Oh. And the Juno. symbolism. It's got to be a Juno Aphrodite? kind of thing. It's a Juno, Juno. thing. It's a Juno oh, thing. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's basically... <laughs> I think you got the right answer. That's I think she gets a ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Oh, where's my ding, ding, ding? There yeah, you go. Okay, okay, so the Roman complete. goddess Juno rules over marriage and childbirth. Oh. Something rules over marriage and childbirth. Okay. Of course. Of course. And, yeah, and in Roman mythology, of course. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the last question. This is my favorite one. What do southern brides believe you should bury at your wedding venue one oh, month before the big day knows. in order to keep rain away? I know this one, and it was not a southern bride, but someone who loved the tradition because of what you bury. It's a bottle of bourbon. Oh. Upside down. Upside down. And God what? forbid you're not what getting married waste. on your own property and you have to break in and bury a bottle of <laughs> Wait, I might have to do that. <laughs> yeah. There's a beach. I could bury yeah, it on a beach. Yeah, sure. Do you drink it on the wedding day? There wasn't anything about that, but I, I would assume that we you did. So what they did was well, this is my college roommate, and mm-hmm. she got married at her parents' house. Wow, and, and I love that! Like out on Lake Ontario, and it did rain on her wedding day, so I it don't think work. it worked. <laughs> but we dug up the bottle of bourbon and then passed it around the bridal party, and that's just wow, fun. I love managed that. to drink half of it before the reception started. So, so like a full bottle, not like these little. Oh yeah, little it was like a <laughs> no cheating. Was at least they, a fifth. they sell magnums of bourbon <laughs> <laughs> for if you're having a big wedding. <laughs> David, get these <laughs> He's so, so fast. fast. I know. That's why I would pay him the big No, box. no, you always have Alanis like on call, right? I mean, yeah, that's just that's one of my tabs. That's his personal iPod. <laughs> one of my tabs always there. That's Katie true. knows all about tabs. I'm tabs. so good at tabs. How many I tabs got you got? Tabs. How many tabs you got open? Oh, she's got tabs. Tabs on tabs on tabs. <laughs> you need tabs? I got tabs. Okay, well. Her tabs got tabs. Do you guys have any uh, parting words of wisdom with weddings or, you know, just life in general? Where to bury bourbon? Hmm. Everywhere. I think, um, <laughs> just to be safe. I'm, I'm just learning to let go a little bit. I went bridesmaid dress shopping this week and found out that you can't actually get whatever you want in the color you think you can. So mm. we're just having, you know, whatever. Just let go. That's fine. fine. I, I did. You're you're letting your bridesmaids choose different colors of dresses, right? On the same, like, palette? Yeah. So now we've got it. Like, it was going to be all one color because I wanted it to be this, like, really crazy bright color. But... Now, and it was like, oh, he's like, choose your own style. But now it's like, 
choose your color from probably one of these four-ish and whatever style you want. Well, one other thing I read was that the reason that originally that bridesmaids all wore the same color was to keep evil spirits from finding out who the bride was. <laughs> oh, wait. But then should they all, if the bride's wearing white, are the bridesmaids supposed to all wear white? I think so. I think it's kind of obvious otherwise. That's really... I'm telling you, so many wedding traditions are based around the fact that there's so many evil. evil spirits around. So I had a confusing thing that's sort of related to... <laughs> Thank you. It's a great song. <laughs> so true. Uh, sort of related to evil spirits, but I was going to have the groomsmen and the and my fiance wear rosemary pinned to their lapel, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That's that. nice. Yeah, it won't yeah. die. Like yeah. easy yeah, peasy, like lemon squeezy, and it smells nice." Yeah, but someone like freaked out and told me that rosemary is the sign of the devil. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, that's just wait, a wait, movie. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Rosemary's that's baby. Just a, that's just a movie. Uh, so I googled it, and <gasps> it was like literally just the guy was thinking of yeah. rosemary's baby. Uh, oh come on! And it, no, you should talk to Cesare Casella. He's a salumier oh, yeah. extraordinaire. Um, supplier of heritage foods. Mm. He is so adorable and he always wears a shirt pocket full of rosemary. Oh, I mean like I like that. two big handfuls I full. And he That's smells beautiful. so nice and he does it everywhere he goes and I am so in favor of this. Okay, cool. And then I did Google it and fact check and it's apparently... Rosemary is the sign of love and marriage. Oh, so I was like, that, that friend of yours yeah. is dark. <laughs> you should keep them away, or there will be yeah. evil spirits at your wedding. They just got their, their invitation revoked. Also, maybe okay, it's like, cool if the evil spirits come to the wedding. The next time yeah, I do Guestzilla, I'm going to be like the person who believes there's evil spirits everywhere. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. Or like the superstitious Guestzilla. <laughs> yeah, I'll, that's I'll, good. I'll bring okay. the holy water. Yeah. I have two tips. So the first tip is um, have your bachelorette party on my party bus. Yes. Yeah. So I'm doing these party buses now. The first one was the other night. Happy Epic. belated birthday. Yes, thank you. Epic. Four hours of craziness driving around New York City with and over the bridge with my dog and all around. We parked outside of Roberta's, had pizza, and then drove so around fun. and I DJed the hell out of that. So that's my first tip. And the second tip is obviously tune into Wedding Cake every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Heritage Radio Network. Starts in seven minutes. In seven minutes. Counting down. All right. Well, I think I think we're ready to wrap things up here, so everybody can get uh, pour up a glass of champagne and maybe cut a slice of cake and get ready to listen to wedding cake. Yay! (laughs) Cynthia, thank you so much for being our guest this week. It was a blast. Thank you. And happy belated birthday again. Thank you. Um, Thank you to Peter Reinhardt, three-time James Beard Award winner. Super amazing baker extraordinaire and um, the organizer of the Bread Symposium in Charlotte next weekend. Can't Um, wait. Yum. And thanks to Jordan Warner for coming and hanging out with us today, staying later than she expected to be a part of our show. This is way more fun than whatever else I was going to (laughs) do. You don't even know. (laughs) What was I even going to do? And thanks to David for always queuing up the Alanis. Thank you, David. And this has been our show. I forgot to say it at the top of the show, but we're going to start kicking it off by saying it's 5 o'clock somewhere and somewhere is Bushwick. So thanks for tuning in to HR and Happy Hour. Love we're it. out. See you next week. Peace. Thanks 
for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.